0: Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code The Athletic, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a fifteen hundred dollars first bet offer on your first wager. All right, everybody, working up. Everybody's working. with that time jersey.
1: The silver lining of a slow start for the Kansas City Chiefs is that we have had no shortage of things to discuss. I think I said that last episode as well in one form or another. But this week, something else sort of caught my eye. More on that in a second. It's a two-man version of Times Ours today. I'm Joshua Briscoe with Nate Taylor. No Seth Kaiser today. Hope to have him back to recap this weekend's action. And I need to let you know that this podcast is brought to you by Direct TV Stream. Get your TV together with the best of live and on-demand. Learn more at directtv.com. Nate, right before the show started, I told you I, I did have one observation from the press conferences over these last two days. We're recording this here on Thursday afternoon. We've had Wednesday pressers with Andy Reid and Patrick Mahomes and others, and then today we got uh, we got Eric Bienieme, Steve Spagnuolo and a bunch of positional coaches. And those days are always fun. But what I, what I noticed today on a Thursday and even after Spags who was out first said something along the lines of we've moved on to Washington. I cannot think of a Thursday press conference in the history of me listening to chiefs press conferences with less or with fewer questions about the upcoming opponent than we heard today. Cause nobody's that interested in Washington (laughs) and everybody (laughs) is right now trying to get to the bottom of what happened on Sunday night. Still here on Thursday.
2: (laughs) Yes. It's a, it's a great point by you, sir. Uh, there's tension in the room, right? Yeah. Like that's that's the the noticeable thing for me today was like, okay, um uh, you know, the Chiefs like to ask us in the Media Corps, um, hey, you get to talk to assistant coaches once a month per the rules with the league. Um who do you want to talk to? You know, and we can't talk to every assistant and I know that because there's obviously meetings and uh some teams have more assistant coaches than others. So they they try to, you know, generalize it to some degree. We talked to one offensive assistant coach today. (laughs) Yeah. And when he got to the podium, uh, that person being Andy Heck, he's like, you guys don't have any offensive line questions because (laughs) we just went through a gauntlet of trying to find every answer possible for you, ladies and gentlemen, uh, as it pertains to this defense. We went defensive line. We went secondary. Um, If you're wondering about linebackers, we we, we didn't get one of the linebacker assistant coaches today. But look, we looked looked at two of the three levels on defense, and there was real tension, of course, with Steve Spagnuolo in the mix as well. And yeah, I mean, this team is underperforming. Uh, Their defense is the worst in the league. The worst. And... Everybody assumed they'd be championship contenders. So now the question is, over the next month, because we've had five weeks, and based on what I said in the last episode about, hey, you try to give four to five weeks to really assess something in a football season. Okay, how do you fix these things uh, starting Sunday against Washington, who, by the way, you know, not one of the best offenses in the league, but could still probably score 30 if circumstances uh, allowed for such, and Josh, I think we got some answers today, and it will lead to some conclusions that I think you and I have, um, but there's real, like, if there's real tension between Steve Spagnolo and us, between Brendan Daly, defensive line coach, and us, between Dave Merritt and Sam Madison, who coached the secondary, then I, I can't even... I, I can kind of imagine, but I, re- I would love to see sort of like whether it's in this whole HBO hard knock style mm-hmm. uh, of what those coaching meetings have been like between Monday and today.
1: So the one thing about about that that I would really want to hone in on for people before we hear or before we discuss some of the things that some of those guys said today is there's the one Sort of little snippet where where Spags was directly asked about Daniel Sorensen being awful on Sunday, and you know he said, "Well, the whole defense hasn't been good." He acknowledged that. He said he doesn't think it's fair to put all the blame on one player, which I agree with. Like we're having a lot of fun here, but it's not that there's ten guys doing their job and then Dan Sorensen. Mm-hmm. Um, he he also acknowledged blatantly, that Sorensen did struggle on Sunday, which is obviously true to everyone. Nothing yes. to hide there. Yes. and I also think he said something along the lines of Dan has made some good plays for us as well. Maybe he was talking about years past because I'm not sure I've seen really any this year. But whenever you you kind of invoke the what are the coaches meetings like right now, I do think people need to know that once they walk through that door to enter the room with all of us, what they say and how they say it changes and any one of them would acknowledge that if you could ask them off the record like yes coach speak is a thing for a reason yes
2: even even eric biennemi has explained this recently like i know it's coach i was like coach you don't
1: gotta say it's coach speak when everybody knows it's coach speak but go ahead with your coach speak well look he's (laughs) just where his feet are planted okay so like i think you just need to respect but like that, that is a part of it. If Spags was having a conversation on on Tuesday with uh, Sam Madison or, or Dave Merritt or both of them, and they had a conversation where they went, man, Dan Sorensen was hot dumpster juice on Sunday night, and we can't let that dude on the field again, or else we're all going to get fired. Mm. Maybe they have that conversation. I don't think it was, would have been quite like that, but maybe they have that conversation by the time they get out to the podium, they're going to say that Dan Sorensen does some good stuff, or whoever. I'm just using him as obviously currently the everybody's favorite guy to make the jokes about because he was terrible on Sunday. Mm-hmm. Um, they're not going to come out and say, "Yeah, we're thinking about cutting him." Actually, because they start to coach that guy. Like, yes, you're not gonna, you don't want to lay your players out to dry at the podium, and every every good coach understands that. So, you know, that's and we're here to help you read between the lines a little bit.
2: Yes. Um, Steve Spagnuolo never said that they weren't making a change this week. Mm-hmm. Correct? Mm-hmm. Steve, Sp- Steve Spagnuolo did not talk in definitive um, when it came to personnel. One thing that I think he did acknowledge was that um, it'd be nice if he had healthy players. Yes. <laughs> Which is <hey>, a... <laughs> yeah. Which is looming over this unit, right? Not only are they statistically bad, um, but n- not every player is available and at full health. Um, Chris Jones did not practice today on Thursday. Neither did Traverius Ward. Uh, Willie Gay is slowly getting back into the mix. Um, who knows? I mean, we assume Frank Clark is going to play. He hasn't had any issues, but you know, he's only played two of the five games so far. Um What I took from today was the Chiefs are finally, and maybe this is a week or two late, and they're stubborn. And that's understandable given their success rate and how loyal and even to a T, I think, from Andy Reid's standpoint, just making sure. And maybe that upsets fans if you want to just give it another week or two. What I heard today, Josh, was was the coaching staff that is starting to acknowledge to itself its own problems. And now mm-hmm. how do we go about finding solutions or looking for different alternatives towards some form of progress? Um, and I think even Eric Bienamy, who, again, is not on defense, saying that they are humbled. We have been humbled. Um leads me to believe that that this team knows they can't continue forward the way they have. Um, and that's most specific, probably a, a defensive, um, philosophical, tactical, and personnel changes uh, that may or may not start on Sunday against Washington.
1: So with that as sort of the, the underlying feeling and, and takeaway and everything, I guess, did anything... Leap out to you. I mean, you, you've kind of got a little may or may not, you know, make some changes, may or may not be looking at what they do and, and how things can get adjusted. I definitely want to talk specifically about Dave Merritt's basically like type five that he did because that was super interesting and also pretty funny. Um, <laughs> but um, is there anything that you think is it can again, you, you mentioned there, like that they're, they are finally, it seems, taking some inventory of what their their problems are and what they can do with what they've got around them currently do you have a takeaway for people listening right now maybe who didn't listen to the press conferences or whatever that if if you do you do you did you leave the press conferences today feeling better about the chief's defense or the same or somehow worse I didn't feel worse um it seems like it would be hard
2: to it, yeah <laughs> it would it would be hard to. Um this team knows they need to show marketable. They need they need something to hold on to when they get on the plane and come back to Kansas City on Sunday night on defense. The, the defense needs to have something it can hold up and show um to fans but most importantly to themselves. I know what fans have been asking for. I know we've discussed it for several weeks. Longer than even I anticipated. I think you will probably see a personnel change or two that makes sense and that may help the defense perform better. Um, Because the way they explain things today... And even with Andy on Wednesday who sort of gave a reason as to why you would, you know, bench somebody, why you would bring another player into the fold. It it just seems to me they're going to make a change or two that's legitimate um, because they know that it would be acid-eye to keep doing what they've been doing, regardless of who's playing on Sunday, right? If Chris Jones plays... That's great. That's a great benefit to the defense, even if he misses two of the three practices this week. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, the team kind of desperately needs Trevarius Ward, in my opinion. Um, but I do think they're going to make some changes. Um, and we'll see if they work. Um, and if they don't... Whew.
1: Also, I mean, you mentioned the injury front. You mentioned Treverius Ward. So today, and this has been the case through Thursday... No practice for Tyree Kill, Chris Jones, Blake Bell, Joe Tooney, Traverius Ward. If the defense has to keep trying to do without Chris Jones or Traverius Ward this week, it's, you have even fewer bullets in the chamber, right? Yes. Like, cause you, you, you don't have changes that you can choose to make because you've already made changes that you were forced to make by, by the injury front, um, I guess I, I don't wanna uh I don't wanna drill in too deep because sometimes you just gotta you gotta let the mind wander. But obviously everyone's looking at, at the safety position and everybody would like to see Juan Thornhill or even Armani Watts. Like just take take some playing time from Dan Sorensen right now and just see what happens. Like just mm-hmm. just try tinker. Just mm-hmm. tinker a little bit. We- Is there another position group or, or another player? Is it more Willie Gay? Like mm-hmm. uh, uh, okay, good, mm-hmm. <laughs> all right. Mm-hmm. Because uh, I- unless Ward comes back, I mean, Mike Hughes and DeAndre Baker and frankly, Legarius Sneed h- have all had you know some some tough moments. But I think there's not much else you can do there. I'm not saying they should try to go get Bo Pete Keys back. although because he's actually getting work right now and also you know, getting beat occasionally on television. I think it was on the red zone that I I heard Bo Pete Keyes' name and went, Oh yeah, I, I forgot he was in Indianapolis, mm. right? Yep. Um but there's there's not much else you can do there. Across the defensive line, I I don't I mean Jaron Reed, he he I think got outsnapped by Tershawn Wharton on yes. Sunday night. Mm-hmm. Um we can talk about the defensive line since we got to talk to Brendan Daly also and and talk about some things there. I thought that there were a couple of interesting answers from him. But it it seems like I mean it's got to just be continuing to ramp up Willie Gay. Even though you mentioned this whenever we talked about him potentially returning, you have to worry about his toe for the rest of the year and managing that and the safety position we've talked about ad nauseum. But I mean, are you are you optimistic that we're going to get a, a significantly larger dose from Willie Gay?
2: I feel confident that that pr- is probably going to happen. Hmm, okay, um, and this will be the first time if if this goes away, I think it's going to go. This will be the first time that. You'll really see Willie Gay, uh Nick Bolton, and Anthony Hitchens playing together, operating um for large stretches or for mm-hmm. significant amount of snaps, however you want to sort of describe it. <sighs> I'ma take a deep breath and I'ma just I'ma just tell I'ma just tell the facts, Josh, okay. that the Chiefs already know. Okay. Are you ready? Yeah. The first stat that jumps out to me, because it's not, we've talked before, and this kind of goes into the Brendan Daly area, but look, Brendan Daly wants pressure, consistent pressure. There's a number of ways to track that. Uh, as we mentioned a few episodes ago, what is the pass rush win rate from an ESPN's tracking of being next to the quarterback in less than 2.5 seconds? Or... We could just go the traditional route, Josh. Um, how many sacks do the Chiefs have through five games this season? I think it's like like six? It's seven.
1: Seven? They awesome.
2: Didn't, they didn't get a sack
1: in last week's game. So, no, they certainly did not.
2: So in four weeks, they've collected seven sacks. Not great.
1: Not great.
2: That ranks dead last in the league, Josh.
1: Yeah, that makes sense. Uh.
2: The Jacksonville Jaguars have more sacks than the Chiefs. The Miami Dolphins. Hell, the Washington football team has more sacks than the Kansas City Chiefs. So, that leads me to my next stat. So, if you if you can't get sacks, if you can't get pressure, yes, you've played Lamar Jackson. Yes, you've played Josh Allen. Sure, it's really hard to bring down Justin Herbert. But these are the teams you will probably have to play in January. So That's right. So, if that doesn't change significantly with a healthy Chris Jones, a more productive Jen Reed, um, a, uh, a awoken Frank Clark. I'll take just an awake Frank Clark. <laughs> <laughs> so that leads me to the staff that everybody wants me to say. Look, kids, Daniel Sorensen has been on the field for 302 snaps. And similar to last year, If you can't get home, you better be covering somebody. And Monday night was not his best show. In fact, it's the worst stretch of his career. Dan Sorensen went from being a beloved hero to, and this is when you've gone mainstream for all the wrong reasons. I'm going to read you a text message. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) Look, I don't. It's hard to see someone fail at their job.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: So let's acknowledge that on the front end. It, it is really- yeah. none of
1: us. None of us are really enjoying this on the base level. It's Correct. sort of like, you know, I'm going to try to I, I'm going to just if, so everyone can get their bingo box uh, free space checked off and just know from here on out that I'm going to mention being in the hospital or having diabetes or something for every show for the rest of time we can we we make jokes about you know my entire experience now because it's how it's how you cope with it right mm-hmm. and i'm going to say that watching dan Sorensen is sort of a similarly painful experience right now and i even make that joke because we just have to make jokes about it otherwise it's just it just gets kind of dark and probably somehow even more mean spirited so we this, joke we make jokes this is when it this is when
2: you when you've really hit mainstream or The idea that you have become such a talking point that it is filtering to family members. So, yesterday at 11, 10 a.m., my (laughs) sister-in-law, Emily Wright, sent me and Holly, my wife, a text that said, From Fox4.com... Chiefs fan creates GoFundMe to buy out Daniel Sorensen's contract.
1: I don't think that's the issue, but God bless them for, you know, you, they somebody took action. And that's when, what we need more of in this world. Action when, takers. When someone is
2: this furious at you, when you've helped them win a championship, let's like explain it in black and white. Which is to say that, yes, Daniel Sorensen has been on the field 302 snaps. Now, these stats are from um, Pro Football Reference, Pro Football Focus, and True Media, who I really like using. um, I love love seeing their advanced stats because they sort of put film and the data sort of melded together Mm. really nicely. In 302 defensive snaps, Daniel Sorensen has 35 tackles. Not bad. Uh, he has one sack, that came on a blitz. Obviously, everybody knows he's given up touchdowns. Josh, how many missed tackles has Daniel Sorensen had this season? So let's let's disregard him giving up long completions to Stefan Diggs, giving up touchdowns to Dawson Knox. How many missed tackles has uh, has Daniel Sorensen had?
1: He has thirty five
2: completed tackles. You said right? Correct. And these is, this is pro football focus, first defender to make contact, ball carrier does not go down.
1: I've been really bad at doing the thing where I guess a number that is about right or is like too extreme in the wrong direction so that the stat really loses its meaning. So I'm going to say he's he's probably only had like three or four missed tackles this year, right? It's 17. Oh, he leads every
2: defensive back in the league in that statistic.
1: You only, know, the only two to one ratio is not what you want.
2: Not what you want,
1: and he's
2: he he ranks fourth in the league. And again, not just a missed tackle. You're the first guy to get there, and you don't make the tackle, which is you know uh, some could say even worse because yeah that player could then be running all day long. Like, they may they may never stop
1: running to the end also zone. Also, a decent amount of time. That probably happens because you're really close to where you were supposed to be, but you weren't
2: quite there. Thank you, sir. Yeah. Um, look, uh, he ranks, again, fourth in the league. Uh, the other three players are linebackers. One of those players did not play a game. So he's played four games, while these other players have played five. So in... The players who have played in all five games this season, he ranks third in the league in most tackles when the first defender to make contact. So yeah, Um I think they'll make a change.
1: They it just it here's the crazy thing. All right, I'm going to play both sides of this. One is it seems like they have to; otherwise, like they it just it, it they'll just look. Like they're not trying, which I don't think would be which would be fair or accurate, but it's what it would look like. I think. Mm-hmm. The other thing, though, is I'm I'm a little bit curious if that does come true, as to why it needed to to be. After this game, like, is it because it was in prime time? Is it because it was so bad? Everyone saw it. Everyone's talking about it. It was against Josh Allen. Because, like, it would have been nice to make that change before the Bills game. When obviously already that was a move that would have made a ton of sense to do. Um, Why? Why five games? Why? Why not do something different at halftime? Why? Why have him play 100 of the snaps against the Bills? Like, I I hope that you're right and it would make all the sense in the world. But I do wonder if you have a th- even like a working theory of, of why was, why was the bills game, the the straw with the camel's back on this front?
2: Yes, it was in prime time. Um, there's a theory that I think Bomani Jones has mentioned before. Um, and it is remained relevant since I've heard it from him a few years ago, where if you don't, if when you do not perform well on primetime television, when you're the only game one, um, that sort of leads the further discourse about you, especially nice. if you haven't played well previously, which is obviously this case. So, um, yes, everybody saw it. Yeah I was on the athletic NFL football show with my good friends Robert Mays and Lindsey Jones earlier this week. And there was a point that Robert made Josh, that was perfectly said. Because we have been saying it for weeks. (laughs) But what Robert said was, in talking to other people in the league, coaches now know the trick is to keep the Chiefs in their base personnel. Mm. Ladies and gentlemen, this game is immensely complicated. But it's so, so simple at times. Mm -hmm. Because if they're in base defense, well, Daniel Zorris is going to be out there. And Juan Thornhill won't. And we can exploit that. So, Robert mentioned a lot of two tight end sets, a lot of two running back sets, or running back fullback, depending on your preference. Um, You know, sometimes teams would go into three tight end sets, and then they'd spread everybody out. Or, they'd go in two tight end sets, and I think what the Eagles did was, they would just run a lot of quick action to the perimeter. Because, you know, Daniel Sorensen appears to have lost a step or two. Um... I think Andy was in some ways a bit stubborn and they are immensely loyal. And as you mentioned earlier, Josh, they know that they still have to coach Daniel Soros and that he may be relevant in January. Hopefully for Chiefs fans, that may be in a condensed, refined, limited role, Mm -hmm. but they, they still may need him to make a game changing player to, um, if they want the season that they, that they're hoping to have, that they desire to have. Um, so they're they they've tried it. As we mentioned on Monday, you can't have Tyron Matthew be this despondent again, in front of national television cameras
1: mm-hmm.
2: for all to see in a contract year
1: uh-huh.
2: and 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 not try something new. um so I think all those factors have led to where we are now, which will probably mean, they're gonna mix some things up in the secondary. They're gonna they're gonna ask a ton from Willie Gay. Cause they're desperate. They're like, yeah. we have to change something. What are our options? These appear to be the best of the rest. And they're gonna, I think, throw them in and, and see what they do. But you I know there's a point you wanna make to what Dave Merritt said about coverage, about actually yeah. covering receivers. And he did not mention Daniel Sorensen's name, but man, it sounds like he's coaching Daniel Sorensen to us in that room.
1: So Dave Merritt, who's going to, he's the defensive backs coach, the overarching umbrella of that. And then Sam Madison is defensive back slash cornerbacks, like his official title. But it seems like he leans corners and Merritt really coaches the whole defensive backfield. Is that right? Do I have that right? hmm Yes. So... Merritt spent basically his entire press conference, and it most, this is because also like lots of people kept following up on it, and it was super interesting. But he was talking about eye discipline for like his entire presser, basically. And he, he talked about staying focused on one individual target, not letting your eyes drift off to look at some birds or a butterfly or anything, which is what it looked like Dan Sorensen did on that Dawson Knox touchdown, to be honest. Um, he even talked about, and I think in this part might even be around all the the corners as well of like, hey, don't be looking at their head or their shoulders. You look at, watch their hips. It's it's harder to to make false movements with your entire body. At that point, you're just making movements, right? And, And so if you're watching a head fake or a little shoulder shimmy, or you think you have the receiver, but you're actually watching something else entirely... You're going to get yourself in the trouble, which is, as you pointed out, has been the was a huge Dan Sorensen issue against Buffalo. And also like the the, the corners have had plenty of issues this year. Um, It hasn't been like the biggest issue or even probably close to it defensively, but it hasn't been very good. And he also said kind of after breaking all of that down, and if there's anything that I you think I missed, Nate. Swoop in, but he he also said that he thinks that that's actually something that can be fixed pretty quickly. And honestly, I I kind of buy that mm-hmm. in terms of like, hey, if you're like, hey, what well, what's the biggest issue in coverage right now? And he says it's the eye discipline. If you say, well, what's the biggest issue in coverage? It's eye discipline. Well, how do you fix that? get better at your eye discipline. Like watch the guy that you're covering and look at his hips. And as he talked about, like that's something that you teach in, in peewee football, right? Yes, like right. in high school you, you should know if you're if you're a corner, don't watch their head or their eyes or their shoulders or their feet look at their hips like I remember hearing about that you know and I was certainly not fast enough to play corner um (laughs) that that is a relatively basic thing but I know there's a lot going on in the NFL you want to try to read the quarterback's eyes and stuff I understand all of that but if that's a point of emphasis that they can make coaching wise and continue to double down on during during the the games on Sundays I actually do feel like that would be solvable much more so than if he said, you know, um, and he actually did also sort of make this point while comparing himself to Pete Sweeney, which was fantastic. Yes, uh, that you know sometimes you have an issue of what my mama gave me is different than what your mama gave you, and if you're you know a defensive back, if you're a five foot nine defensive back lined up against Josh Gordon, that's going to be a problem, right? You're going to listen. I can I can watch your hips perfectly, but eventually. Our genetics are going to determine who gets up and gets this ball that's up in the air. But, again, to his point, like, that's not really the Chiefs' biggest issue in his eyes. It's it's where their eyes are at. They have some pretty good athletes. Like, Sneed, Hughes, even Baker, who who got very little work on Sunday night. Um, Trevarius Ward, whenever he ends up coming back, like— those guys are good athletes that can keep up with NFL wide receivers about as well as a group of of guys could in that spot. It's one of the reasons they go back and get first round picks whenever they flame out somewhere else. Mike Hughes was an athlete worthy of a first round pick. DeAndre yes. Baker was an athlete worthy of a first round pick. Get the athletes in and see if you can coach them up. I I really I, I kind of bought what Merritt was selling there. You some some you know what I could say even Nate. I'm not saying I will say this, but I could say I thought what he <laughs> was what he said had plenty of merit. Ah, uh, yes. Um, <laughs> there was that one breath I heard you make me, ah, oh, this, this mother after. <laughs> <laughs> yes.
2: It's why you're here. I mean, it really is. It's, it's for yeah. these moments. Um, Yeah. Yeah. You're, you look, I, when I posed the question today, I was wondering, is it miscommunication? Because that has been discussed and we've, you know, mm-hmm. uh, talked about that several
1: weeks. And and more on that in a second when we get to the defensive line.
2: Yes. And so he said no. And I was like, oh. Um <laughs> 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 uh, But he, he did explain it really well. And the second thing to, to everything you just laid out really nicely, Josh, is it comes back to trust. If you feel like all I have to do is my job and mm-hmm. the other 10 guys can do their mm-hmm. job. That's trust, you know. Um, but if you're giving up touchdowns, if you're not lined up properly, if the game is speeding up a little bit faster than you would than you would like, if the quarterback is just out here throwing darts, if he's hurdling you, um, they need to get back to trusting one another, and that's going to be really, really hard to do because I wish I could ask Anthony Hitchens this question. But in terms of eyes and your depth and what is my teammate doing because he's new to this. Mm. Are his eyes in the right spot just because he feels like he has to be mindful of everything else versus just trusting his assignment um, or his assignment plus, which is something that the chiefs have talked about before. My assignment plus what the scheme is asking me to do. Um, if your eyes aren't right, you're not helping yourself. You're not helping the scheme. You're, in fact, breaking the trust of your teammates, which leads yeah. to Tyron Matthew. So, yeah. if the eyes can get right, the trust can slowly be built back up. Confidence can then be reinforced, and hopefully you're not giving up 7.1 yards per play. Like, this yeah. is this is all leading to this, right? Like, if we can just do some of these... These techniques, these mental thought process. If we could a put the best eleven athletes on the field, uh, who can work together, then hopefully you're not a historically poor defense. But for now, they need to get trust, and part of that is trusting yourself to do your task, and then trusting the guys around you. But that's but look, we have five weeks of that's that's really hard.
1: Yeah, it's, it's well-earned distrust at this point. Like it, but it only, as you just laid out, like it only compounds at that point, the distrust only makes people then lose their eye discipline or, or lose their (laughs) entire mind or, you know, try, try to cover for someone else's impending mistake or whatever it is. And then all of a sudden, now you're out of position. You're not doing your job. And then someone else has a cover for you. And that's how you end up where Jalen Hurts has three wide open receivers you can throw the ball to at three different depths of the field because something like that is happening. Um, it, I think we've covered the secondary a, a good amount there. So moving to the defensive line and, and hearing from Bryn, Brendan Daly today, um, who's always great to hear from, he talked about across the defensive line having communication issues and he said for them he thought that was probably their biggest issue to this point can you unpack any of that yeah just the mindset
2: of you know unlike you or i or the listener watching on tv or in the stadium the the as brendan daly you know sort of told us like those guys hands are literally in the dirt which again Mm -hmm. just just an amazing phrase Yes, get your hand in the dirt. Yes, Coach. Um, <laughs> so their hands are in the dirt. They cannot see the linebackers. They cannot see the safeties. Um, it is a lot to ask, and I'm going to try to simulate it as best I can. It's loud and Arrowhead, which Brendan Daly says it's kind of the one disadvantage on defense. It helps mm-hmm. the. It helps the. It does help the lineman on the snap of the ball for obvious reasons. Obviously, you get off. Um, maybe the tackles don't hear the snap or the, the the quarterback's cadence as well as he normally would under normal circumstances. But one of the few disadvantages to a rabid arrowhead crowd is that, like, hey, man, uh, what, what are we doing? Am I supposed to slide left? Okay, who's that? Am I B-gap or C-gap? Okay, he just shifted across the formation at the tight end position. What are they doing on the edge? Is that a jet sweep that I'm watching? Or is that one of those other motions? Okay, oh, my God, the ball snapped. Mm-hmm. Like... And you've got to be uh, keeping your pads low. got to have the right hand placement. Uh, obviously, you have to have strength and quickness. And then if the ball carrier comes to you, can you please wrap him up and bring him to the ground? Um, oh, and if Josh Allen uh, is not sure where to go with the ball, because, you know, hey, they actually covered it well for once. Um, if you're going to hit him, hit him as gently as possible. Or <laughs> they'll call it roughing the passer penalty on you, which is, man... So, uh, just, ugh. you know, one play can really obviously change a, a, a game, or, you know, uh, I think Frank Clark actually played better in the second half. Nobody will say that publicly, ladies and gentlemen, because he got a pass, roughing the passer penalty, mm-hmm. but he actually he actually played a little bit better in the second half. Um, all this is to say that, like, Jaron Reed needs to play better, for obvious reasons. He does not have one of the seven sacks on the team, which is wild to say. Uh, he's He's... He's Tershawn Wharton has played more than him uh last week against
1: the Bills. But Wharton also outsnapped Derek Naughty by or they they have the same numbers, yes, stands, which is yeah. kind of interesting. Correct. So kind of different jobs a little bit, but you know. Yeah, maybe those guys have
2: obviously been on the system longer than Jared Reed, and so there's less worry about that miscommunication factor. Um uh, but when Anthony Hitchens tells you to slide one way or the other, like you have to have trust in A to do that and B to understand like, well, now your gap responsibility is different. Um, mm-hmm. Are you over the center or the guard or are you to the left or the right? Okay. Well, are you supposed to, you know, occupy this space? Are you supposed to get up uh, into the backfield? How are you setting the edge? Um, can be a bit of a, a bit of a mental, you know, process for the defensive ends. Uh, based on what the formation is, obviously where's the running back? Is the quarterback in shotgun? Where's the tight end? Okay, again, is someone in motion? How does that change the numbers? Um, so all these things are interesting, and yet, can they just get to the quarterback more? <laughs> like, it's, yeah. Like it's it's we're again this show or this episode I guess is a lot of us trying to explain as much as we can learn from the coaching staff and as much as they're willing to share, and yet. Can you tackle better? Can you not leave guys wide open?
0: Can you sack the quarterback? Looking for an assist with your credit card, but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7, U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. The Victorinox Swiss Army Knife provides you with all the things you don't think about until you need it. Tweezers, a screwdriver, and even a corkscrew. With the Victorinox Swiss Army Knife, you can be prepared to master everyday life. You can find Victorinox Swiss Army Knives at Dick's Sporting Goods.
1: On the the specifics of the Jaron Reed front, and honestly, both for Reed and Clark, I maybe I'm just sort of hearing my my priors confirmed. But whenever whenever a coach does say something like uh, like Spag says about you know Dan Sorensen, well, you know he does a lot of good for us. That is usually, I think, code for like, yeah, no, he's done a lot of things not very well for us. Like you're gonna try to have a little positive thing and then only kind of half maybe critique something. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I felt like Brendan Daly did that for Reed and for Frank Clark of, you know, well, look, they, you know, they did some – they've done some good things for us. But also, like, Daly said I think twice in his answer about Frank Clark that you could tell he was rusty. Yep. Which, you know, for the for his first game back since week two, even though he, he played uh, 82% of the defensive snaps, th- if if that's true for his first game back since week two, then, you know – I guess it is what it is, although it's not great that he was out there that much while being rusty. If, but, but they don't really have that many other options. I understand, especially with Chris Jones being out. Correct. So I, I get it, but like, and,
2: and, and, and that leads to him. Is he one? Is he, I mean, yes, he's in game shape. He's obviously playing the snaps, but like, is he pacing himself? Is he, is he fully like able to use all his past combo, you know, past rush combinations? Is he willing to like, one, one snap, you want to burst up and really get after the tackle with your speed. On the next snap, I'm going to get right in your ass and, you know, move you into the quarterback's lap. I mean, can he do all those things and set the edge? Again, this is being a professional athlete is hard, ladies and gentlemen. But I, I did wonder in his answer today, like, man, we had to play him more than I would have. But I have no other options. And he's making the most money on the team from a salary cap standpoint. So he yeah. better be out there. But right. that might not lead to like high end highlights versus like not being a minus player for the
1: duration of you being out there. And so I I think that bringing all of that together on Clark and then him also talking about Jaron Reed and kind of understanding that there was, there is been a severe underperformance there. You even mentioned like you know Wharton and Naughty have both been in the system longer. And so if you if you have a communication issue, you want to play the guy that's the guys that have been around longer. I get that. For Jaron Reed, though, this is not one of the places where you can play the long game. Dude signed a one-year deal. Like yep. he is, he is here for at least twelve more games, and hopefully at least one, maybe a few more after that. At, at some point, like you just gotta do like anything, like earn your way. Not only not not just earn your way on the field, but keep yourself from being pushed off of it yes. by by Tershawn Wharton. Yep. Or, you know, Colin Saunders got 35% of the snaps in, in this game where he 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 played 20 and Reed played 27. Like, I, it's just not a very good sign of where those guys are at, it seems. And, you know, again, with the communication front, he can talk about, like, the, the stadium being loud. But the stadium was loud the last two years. I guess not really last year, to be fair. But yes. two years ago, the stadium was loud then also. And it was the first year of this defense. And it was better. Like it was significantly better than it was before this whole new crew showed up. I I don't know. I, I think that and you know injuries happen to everybody every year. I it's just it's just not a very good unit. Nope. And I just you know. It's not great.
2: It's not great. Uh yeah. it you know, let's let's be honest about where Like who? Like I guess my question, and this is both for you, Josh, and the audience: Who are you most fearful of, from a skill position standpoint, in the Washington Football Team's offense? McLaurin, I guess, right? He does have he, he does have a track record. So, with that being said,
1: is he better than Stephon Diggs? Um. Probably not. The certain the whole receiving crew is de- receiving core is definitely is, not what uh, what Buffalo's is.
2: Is Mr. McLaurin? Um, is he is he better than than? Uh, well, he's he's not. He's probably not better than Mike Williams, right? Based on this year's production. Based on this year, probably not. Yeah. Uh, he's probably not better than Nick Chubb and Kareem Hunt, right? Probably not. Uh, he's uh, he's probably not as good. As Lamar Jackson, right? Probably not. Is he better than uh, number six for the Philadelphia Eagles? Guy who won the Heisman? Probably not. If it doesn't go well Sunday, it's totally fine to hit all panic buttons about this defense. Because this is your chance to get better, perhaps better players on the field. And to play a more inferior offensive opponent.
1: Yeah. It needs to just look. It's It would be great if they looked wonderful and we could just adjust for the opponent. But it's got to look competent. Like it just has to, it just has to, they have to look like an NFL caliber defense. I liked your point earlier in the show of, you know, you can say rightfully and fairly, Hey, they've, they've played against the best teams in the AFC already. And so adjust accordingly. I think that's totally fair, but to your point, you're going to see the Browns, Ravens, Chargers, and, or bills to try to get to a Super Bowl. You're going to have to get through those teams again. And so if everything looks better against Washington, it'll make me feel a little bit better, but there, this is, and this is to a point, you know, that Seth made as he gave us a little audio book on Monday, it's going to be really, really hard over this stretch, Washington, Tennessee, New York, Green Bay, Vegas, Dallas, uh, Denver, like over that next stretch where they might be favored in all of those games. I don't know. They might maybe not against the Packers, who knows. Depends on how the next couple go. But it's going to be really hard to undo the the psychological damage that has been done to this point because it's they're not going to get an exceptional test. Maybe all year. Maybe it's the Chargers again whenever they whenever that game happens. Yeah. That, um, Green Bay that all, has Aaron Rodgers and Devontae Adams, but like yep, it's not yeah. it's not w- super w- dynamic. Yeah, I would
2: tell you uh, well <laughs> Chiefs fans might be saying, uh, Aaron Jones torched us
1: <laughs> a couple years ago. <laughs> yeah. And I you know, I think that so, probably says a little hey, more than Hey, remember, hey,
2: to be fair, and look, uh, let's 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 be fair. Steve Spagnuolo was like Okay, Aaron Jones has taught me a lesson, and no running back beat them again in a game yeah. that mattered that season to win the Super Bowl yeah. um, because he changed the scheme uh, to not put Anthony Hitches on Aaron Jones. Uh, everything needs to get better between now and Green Bay, and I think you're right. In terms of the regular season, the probably the best collection of offense that matters um, in sort of this measuring stick or, hey, where were you weak? Three, to facing these guys again. It is probably the Chargers. And that game the will The
1: Titans have, in two weeks is, is interesting yeah, if everybody gets healthy. Ju- they just...
2: Uh, I don't know what to make of the Titans, man. I, just, I don't either. I just... Uh, let me see it on Sunday. Well, they play Monday, excuse me. Oh, by the way, Chiefs, going to get the Titans in a short week because they play the Buffalo That's Bills, good. I believe, on Monday Night Football.
1: But... Um, and their defense is not great either. Um I don't know if it's coming through or not. I just want everyone to know that the dog that, it, that if if that dog barking is coming through that's not that's not my dog. That's the neighbor's dog. Ooh. Scout would have never. First of all, she doesn't sound this she doesn't sound nearly as um, you know, woofy as this very manly sounding dog over here sounds.
2: Do you think you think he knows about but, the dance horse and go go find that I, think,
1: I think these three dogs next door all are very upset about the Chiefs' defense. And my and I would never have a dog that barks as much as these three little little woofers over here <laughs> are just absolutely <laughs> oppressing me. So Um, you want to see the
2: first step of hopefully Mitty on Sunday against the Washington football team. Yes. You want to see them go up a different flight of stairs before Aaron Rodgers comes to Arrowhead. And then you want to see how, how far they've gone from literally the bottom of the rankings Mm -hmm. to, to, all right, Justin Herbert, who still may be an MVP candidate who still may have all of his collection of weapons and they appear to be uh ascending in you know in a in a in a blistering pace. Uh that game will also have perhaps divisional implications as to like mm-hmm. hey, who's going to have a home playoff game. Um the Chargers are still in position to um be in position with the Bills to say hey, maybe maybe this game is that much more important for the Chargers because hey, maybe they could host home field advantage and have the first round bye. Um so there will be there will be challenges along the way but they got to take the first step.
1: Yeah. Let's let's talk about this game at least a little bit here also I don't know if there's anything offensively you wanted to take away from you know, you know. Eric press conference today, it's here's the thing. There was a, an interesting piece that went up. Um, I think it was from Ben Solak uh, today about how little the the Chiefs are being blitzed. Patrick Mahomes is the least blitzed quarterback in the league this year by a pretty uh, wide uh, margin. Because
2: somebody somebody told somebody we told Wink to do it, and because saw defensive
1: Wink. coordinators are listening to Times R's yeah, is yeah, why I mean, that's I, happening.
2: Look, look, I told Mark, I told Wink, I was like, "Hey, you ain't got to do it. You ain't got to do it." Um, by the way next gen stats was like um we had to double check this cuz like they didn't blitz once and when i say they i mean the buffalo bills um you ain't got to do it
1: you ain't got to do it and you shouldn't it doesn't make any sense um so yeah I've been so lack in the ringer a good a good yes, research to check that out and it and you can tell it is just argh! like
2: you can just tell patrick's like no one told them they couldn't blitz me. <laughs> like you can just look on that on that fourth down play. He's just like, "Come on, somebody come at me!"
1: Ah, <laughs> oh, freaking! It. It's eight seconds. I might as well let it go, um, or just run for sixty yards every week now. And that, fun those prop bets. Those prop bets have got Patrick Mahomes has got to hit the over on his rushing yards, like eighty percent of the games. It just it it seems like every week,
2: Spe- especially with Clyde Edwards out. And yes, well, I think a lot of Chiefs fans respect and appreciate what Darrell Williams has provided. Uh, as I wrote, he's never been here before. I think the most mm. the most carries he's ever had in an NFL game is thirteen, and I would assume he will break that against the Washington Football Team. So. There's a little bit of unknown um with Darrell Williams, even though he's been just really, really solid in his roles. Um, but yeah, Mahomes needs to understand that if they're not gonna blitz me, um I probably need to run a little bit more, or I need to be need to try to extend the play and, and manipulate the defense as best he can. But you don't have to do it anymore. Like, blitzing him with that collection of talent is foolish. And I'm just yeah amazed that it took defenses a year and a half to figure this out <laughs> so and also so the, praise I mean, the, against, praise nfl coaches but kind of don't because like we knew
1: this way long ago and also um the the bills did get some pressure with four which mm-hmm. is not great mm-hmm. <laughs> i mean it's not great i don't and i don't know if the i don't know where the offensive line is going to end up by the end of this season but if you're Washington also, like, again, to try to, to to go specific to them a little bit, let Chase Young try to get after Patrick Mahomes, rush four and drop everybody else. Uh, rush three if you want and see what happens. They're not going to they're not going to send three dudes to block Chase Young. You get, I mean, at, at some point, there's a, a diminishing return. Just see, like try that and try to drop everybody into coverage and see if the Chiefs can beat you with Daryl Williams trying to be the, the the guy that's there taking up those holes that that theoretically the offensive line should be able to give them to beat some of these coverages they're facing.
2: Yeah, and look, I'm just I hope somebody does it. If you've been listening this long, NFL, I'm gonna just say defensive analyst. Okay, I'm not even gonna say coordinators listening to this, but somebody is is taking these words to whatever coordinator Come on now. You've come this far. <laughs> when the Chiefs get inside the 10-yard line, nobody rush Patrick. All 11 players just stand up like you, like we're playing Madden. Okay, let's see where you want to pass the ball. Where are all the windows at? Yeah. <laughs> just <laughs> I'm mostly saying this jokingly. I'm not. But I kind of want to see <laughs>
1: like like nope. pull that guy off the line. Get your hand out of the dirt. Always if if you're Washington, like we've we've talked about teams being more aggressive offensively against the Chiefs. If you're Washington and and even though obviously the Chiefs are two and three and have had all sorts of defensive issues and maybe maybe they'll be able to put up 35, but like you ought to just try something kind of wonky uh defensively to try to you you just have to create two or three turnovers and you give yourself a chance. And I say Jess, but like the Chiefs have been willing to give other teams the ball two or three times. Like that's that that is not an extreme rarity here at this point, just on how this season has gone. I would I would like to see a team try something that, that says, you know what, we're gonna we're gonna play weird. We're gonna play some some turnover feast or famine, but we, we're gonna also just keep playing two safeties deep and and wait until they can figure out a way to beat us. Like and so far they they haven't.
2: Yeah, and to that
1: point... They have this, some. That's not totally fair. Like, the Chiefs, they're yeah. still, like, a top-five offense by virtually every metric other yes. than turnovers. So I don't want but, to... But as Mahomes said, whenever they turn the ball over, they become an average offense. And that is not how this team is built.
2: Right. And this makes... You know, one thing I asked Eric Bieniemy, which I, I anticipated coach speak, but, hey, I, I did my job. Uh, this is why Josh Gordon will be interesting to watch on Sunday. Like, how much does his snap count expand uh, is he in a similar role to what we kind of saw against Buffalo? Um, is he in a more specific role uh, against Washington to alleviate some of those issues in, in the coverage when having you know maybe three plus average uh, pass catchers for Mahomes? And uh, I looked this up because you know this is what you have to do when the team turns the ball over this much uh, quietly. Daryl Williams has not fumbled this season. So Mm. hope hope that trend continues. So, hey, if we give the ball to Daryl Williams 15, 18 times, based on, like you said, Josh, light boxes, safeties 40 yards back. (laughs) Mm -hmm. If if that's what is required, um, he's been very secure with the ball. Daryl Williams is, you know, as Andy would say, he not a fumbler. So um, if you are going to give those snaps and those touches to him, Um, maybe that would alleviate some of the turnover issues. Um, but yeah, I mean, sometimes defensive players make a play and I think what Eric was trying to explain, uh, today was saying that just have fun, even though this is a difficult game that is very mental, but like, Mm -hmm. The more you think about turnovers, the more you may think about the previous mistake, which may lead to the next mistake. Um, and we'll see how how quickly they can get over that sort of mental um, fog they're in. Because, the you know, if they have a turnover in the first quarter, Josh, it, every, it, it'll it be on everybody's mind. Um, yeah. Versus, hey, if we just come out, execute, do our job, Patrick makes the right reads, the offensive line holds up pretty well, Darrell Williams gives balance, then this team may obviously do what they are supposed to do, which is, you know, go on the road and blow out a subpar team. Um, but if that doesn't happen, then they're going to have to trust the defense to to maybe carry more of the weight than usual.
1: The one other sort of thing within that of, you know, like having fun. because I imagine that plenty of fans listening right now are like, is that the problem? The problem is they're not having enough fun out there. Like that's the issue. But I'll tell you what, man, I, I don't think I have ever seen this version of this Chiefs offense as constipated as it was against the Bills and I'm not sure I've seen Patrick Mahomes looking as frustrated as he did against the Bills. Yes. Like I I think that that's all legitimate. Um because it, it turned it turned into like the worst version of the Alex Smith offense that um, not even like not even uh 20 Seventeen, no, kind of like not Smith that one. Yeah, you're thinking like, more like
2: 2015, like 2015. I was gonna
1: say 2015. Like, yeah. yeah, that just seems that that's what it looked like against the Bills. And if you're if you're playing this game with that kind of like tightness, I guess for for lack of a better word, like tense, like like you know, whenever your muscles are all tensed up, it it becomes unrecognizable from the version of this team that we've we've grown to know and love over these last few years with Patrick Mahomes at quarterback and so I I kind of think there is a little bit of something to that which I know again for plenty of people on and this is largely like a Chiefs Facebook thing so I don't mean to put this on our dear listeners but you know (laughs) there's there's you could find a post that always just you know no they're not taking it seriously enough and Patrick Mahomes has done too many commercials and endorsement deals and he needs to focus on football like I think you can kind of play the other side of like the the offense is trying to play with just the, 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 the tightest sphincters possible because they know that any mistake could immediately turn into seven from that defense. The defense is playing, trying to cover for other people's mistakes and nobody trusts each other. And, and there, there becomes like the least intuitive, least natural, least genuine version of this offense and of this defense. Again, it's maybe it's a little bit hokey, but I I still buy a, a pretty large chunk of all of that. It's weird
2: to say that a team that went to back to back Super Bowls needs something really positive to happen early in Sunday's game against the Washington yeah. football team. That's against also, that's, Taylor Heineke. That's also two and, two and three, but <sighs> but that's we didn't think we'd be here, ladies and gentlemen, but that's where we are. Uh, they. They need to play kind of in a fashion to an underdog, which is hey, let's let's have something good happen. Let's get some positive reinforcements. Let's feel like we are capable of doing what what we what we can do because we've seen it. Um, and let's sort of go from there. Uh, what you don't want happening is the Chiefs to win the coin toss. Andy to defer because huh. analytically that's what you're supposed to do, Damn. and then the Washington football team go right down the field and score seven points. That's what you don't want because that gets the fans engaged, that gets the crowd you know, that gets the crowd involved, that gets everybody on the bench sort of uh, locked up. There's belief from you know, I mean Tyler Heineke can have one of those Tyler Heineke games. I- I'm just saying, and you may listen to this six days from now and think how silly all of this was the last you just two, cu- you just
1: took a vowel out of his name that's how disrespectful we're being right now to either taylor or tyler heineke Ta-
2: taylor heineke i i made this mistake on the
1: athletic nfl show as well with robert and Lindsay. listen it's how it's that's how we ended up with jody foster jody Fortson, and everything so i i think it's still given more than it's taken away you know
2: yes um but they need something positive to happen on on Sunday, early. And I really believe that. I really believe, like, uh, this team needs a mental breakthrough. Yeah.
1: Hopefully this is the get-right game, but I want to know what you think actually happens. Because here's here's the stuff to keep in mind. The Chiefs have not given up fewer than twenty-nine points so far this year. Uh, twenty-nine against the Browns was the uh, the high water mark. They also just put up twenty against the Bills, but they you know they put up forty-two against the Eagles, just twenty-four back against the Chargers, thirty-five against the Ravens, thirty-three in the win over the Browns. Uh, there's a relatively narrow range of outcomes on both sides of the ball so far this year, especially if you let the Bills game be the biggest offensive outlier. Um, and the, the Chargers game also they turned the ball over a billion times in route to those twenty four measly points. What do you what do you see this this game playing out? Or how, how do you see it playing out? What do you see happening?
2: So I rarely do this, but because these two teams are so uh, dissimilar, but yet kind of similar, particularly on defense, that I'm just like, all right, Vegas, what's the line? <laughs> like, yeah, all right, man, they're they're seeing Chiefs as I look right now. Chiefs are. Favored by six and a half points. Mm-hmm. <sighs> I may take Washington in a, in a late cover.
1: Oh, my goodness. I, w- I was just about to go so hard the other way of if they don't, if the Chiefs don't cover, you could still hit the panic button, I think. And they've, they've never been great at blowing out bad teams. Like we've had, you know, I think relatively unjustified narratives around that in the recent past. It would be nice for them to win this game the way they would have won the Eagles game, it with Ben Neiman's forced fumble and that and and no garbage time touchdown.
2: Yep. But hey, I also. But hey,
1: this is the worst that, defense in the league, Josh. That's right. That's absolutely right. I mean, a hundred percent. So. I'm not saying that you're wrong by any means. I mean, I say I'm going the other way. I'm not saying that I'm putting the house on the Chiefs minus six and a half. Mostly because spreads are so frustrating to root <laughs> for and against. I hate, I hate it. Um, but man, it just feels like they need to win this game, like you said, for themselves, and by a touchdown, like, and not a late, not a late touchdown. Yeah, not, not winning by six. Because uh they they were down one or whatever and and scored a touchdown with a minute left and then gave the ball back to Taylor Heineke or Tyler Heineke. Yeah. And uh and then had to have a defensive stand so he couldn't get down for a score. Like
2: Right. What they what they <sighs> what they what they honestly need is a 31-20 victory. Um yeah. which, which would equate out to their offense scoring five times, um, which would keep them at a high efficiency um they need one or less turnovers for probably such a such a situation um and when i mean 31 i mean 31 but it could be it could be more but you're running the ball to run the clock out in the fourth quarter um mm-hmm. and then the 20 from washington would equate to for at least half the game the chiefs defense
1: as you've requested josh was competent yeah but it does seem like 31 to Twenty-eight or something just sort of feels a little or bit more likely. Twenty-six, yeah. yeah, in there. yeah. Excellent. Well, that's do You want to pick a score? Let's pick a score. I don't think anyone's tracking any of these. I'm certainly certainly not. not.
2: I, yeah, uh, I'll
1: probably have a different prediction by Sunday. But
2: I, I'm gonna I'm gonna again. I'm an optimistic person. I'm gonna go a little higher, ladies and gentlemen. I'm gonna say Chiefs thirty-three, Washington twenty-four. So, that's the cover. That's a cover there. That's a cover. That's a cover. Hey, 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 hey! More than one score a game. Hey, get you, get you that nine point win. They can't go down the field and get nine points. So I'll say, I'll say 33, 24. Um, But the expectation, the desire, should be: Please, can it be 31-20? And we really,
1: we really weren't trying to score in the fourth quarter. I'm gonna say thirty four to 27 mm. so we're barely getting that cover but maybe it's a late washington score I, I i think the offense is gonna be just fine um and by just fine i mean like i think they're gonna look like the chiefs again at some point point. and yeah. also washington's defense was supposed to be really good this year and simply has not been like they have had some gross moments of like this is not what it was supposed to look like um i also fully expect taylor heineke to like to here, This will be the only time I ever talk about my fantasy, any of my fantasy football teams on this show because nobody cares. But in one league, Russell Wilson was my quarterback. Obviously, he's missing a large amount of time. And on the waiver wire, my options were like Daniel Jones or Taylor Heineke. Woo. And I mean, you can't Taylor take Daniel, Heineke can't
2: take Daniel Jones.
1: Well, so like, you know, he might scramble a little bit, get you a few points in there. I don't, I don't know. I think I actually have Daniel Jones. right. Now. I think I picked him up because Russell Wilson got hurt on Thursday. I picked him before last week's game, and I don't know. None of that matters. Nobody cares. The thing, though, is that Taylor Heineke is not like option number one or option number two because he's been a barn burner this year. It's because he's going up against the worst defense in football by any number of metrics. And I, I think it looks a little better, but not by quite as much as we would like to see, probably. No, um, no, no
2: better way to hedge than with your fantasy team.
1: That's also a great point. I should go start Heineke just so I can have an emotional hedge. You know what? I think I'm going to do it. I was on the fence. I think I'm going to go do it. Um, also, haven't mentioned this yet. Ricky Seals Jones revenge game. Ooh. Just just want to lay that out there. Uh, that, you uh, know, let's, he's, he's scoring. Let, let's, he is scoring.
2: Let's double down. Two tight ends. Ricky Seals Jones matched up with Daniel Sorensen. Who wins?
1: <sighs> Who we wins? We all lose. We all lose. We're all, we all lose. All of us. End of the show for me, Nate, because I've got... I, you just sucked the air out of my office whenever you said Ricky Seals-Jones versus Daniel Sorensen. I'm getting lightheaded. And I just checked. My blood sugar is fine.
2: I just want to remind people. This is my mini monologue. Yes, you have seen something with Patrick Mahomes that you've never seen before. And that's Okay. We can all acknowledge it. I'll acknowledge it for you. It is a little startling to see Patrick Mahomes struggle, particularly in the second half. Can I remind you just on a little bit ago that we, you know, are still trying to decide how to say Tyler Heineke's <laughs> name? Not still not it. Damn it! <laughs> <laughs> that in five games, Patrick Mahomes is still completing sixty-nine percent of his passes he still has almost 1500 yards his average is, is still a very nice 7.6 he's thrown 16 touchdowns yes he has a six picks you can put one on Marcus Kemp you can put one on Tyreek Hill mm-hmm. you could put one on on Gregory Russo cuz that was just a great play mm-hmm. um and he's only been sacked 7 times His passer rating right now is higher than it was in 2019. Let me just remind people. He's still one of the best quarterbacks in the league right now. And you think he's underwhelmingly playing (laughs) poorly. So take a deep breath. Your team, the team you root for has Patrick Mahomes, who's still playing above average And just about any other quarterback would love to have his stats right now. It just so happens those quarterbacks are named Josh Allen, Lamar Jackson, and Justin Herbert. But do not put your criticism on Patrick Mahomes. And I am now pulling a Seth to end this. I'm going to just read you (laughs) a very... Very short paragraph. I love this. Because...
1: Uh, I love this new angle, this new element of this I know,
2: show. and I, I, I specifically wanted to wait to the end for this. And uh, God bless Kent, our producer, who's going to have to go through this. But look, I, I wanted to be pretty clear in trying to tell Chiefs fans what this season was about before it ever really began. And that was obviously training camp, of course. And so... Yes, Patrick Mahomes is on every commercial. Yes, Patrick Mahomes is a Super Bowl MVP winning quarterback. He is already in the Hall of Fame. Make no mistake about it.
1: Alright. Are we ready? I'm ready. Read read us read us out.
2: But one of my main messages was that the Chiefs' 2021 season will be a little bit more about the rest of the 53-man roster and a little less about superstar quarterback Patrick Mahomes. Mm-hmm. After Super Bowl 55, three of the most prominent members of the Chiefs, owner Clark Hunt, Andy Reid, Brett veach understood that Mahomes needed better support for the team to remain superior in a league in which, in, in which opponents are chasing them. Again, the 2021 season is a little bit... Less of Patrick Mahomes and it's more about the other 52 guys on the